Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of Devils in the Details presented by WSU Sports. I am your host for this week, John Height, joined alongside the great Mike Bellafemini and Liam Harding. Well, we have a lot to talk about in New Jersey Devils Lane here. In the beginning of July, the NHL draft is over, but still a lot of stuff going on in free agency and things to talk about for the upcoming season. So first, I'll start with you, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, NHL offseason has been pretty busy, uh, both with the Devils and just in the league in general. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of trades. And the draft just happened for agency, so it's been busy and uh, it's been interesting keeping up with the, the news. Yeah, uh, I'm doing well, and I'm you know it's been a very busy offseason so far. Just finishing off the draft, and just excited to talk about all, all the news that's happening with the Devils. Yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. And we're going to start with probably their biggest p- uh, piece of news for the Devils so far this offseason. Um, we talked about, I think, Bell, if you were on that a, a couple weeks ago, um, with Jesper Brack getting re-signed, but they were able to extend Timo Meyer to an eight-year contract extension worth $70.4 million, and it will be through, again, the, the 23 to 31 season. Um, so, again, the Swiss forward, they got him in the trade midseason, um, played well for the Devils, didn't have the great postseason, but was still able to show, you know, his great two-way game. And obviously, well, when he's rolling and with San Jose, he is a potential 40-plus goal scorer. Um, and each year, it has an annual AAV of $8.8 million. Um, it's going to start at $12 million for the upcoming season and then wind its way down to $7.2 million as the contract goes on to sort of front load it just a little bit. So, Liam, we'll start with you. Um, how important is this move for the Devils, you know, being able to extend the, the, one of the biggest trades they've made probably in the past decade, getting Timo Meyer and, and for that price that they were able to extend him at? Uh, I think it's it's huge that they were able to get him to come back, uh, especially for as long as it was and all that, just because he brought a lot to the team as soon as he came in right from San Jose. Uh, he coming in, played 21 games, had nine goals, five assists, so 14 points, which on paper may not look like a lot, but you look at his grand, the grand scheme of things with him and his season as a whole at San Jose, he was a 40 goal regular season scorer. So just with that intensity that he brings on the boards, on defense, on offense, scoring goals, playing just well, he shot 12 and a half percent, which is pretty well, pretty good for uh, a wing. So. I just think bringing him back is is a big deal, especially for the price. He's now the highest paid guy in the top six, so and he's still under like nine million dollars. So still having some flexibility for next year when they have to re-sign Dawson Mercer and then uh, to Foley if they decide to. So you know it just it just brings a lot to the, the team. Yeah, I think um, all the rumors I, uh, that people were saying about the Devils only being able to keep Brat or my Meyer, I think that was. I wasn't really on on board with that the whole time. I'm glad they got both guys back, but this uh, that they choose the young core over the veterans. That uh, unfortunately, Severson had to go, and and Graves left to Pittsburgh, and Wood went to Colorado. So, well, a bunch of depth players that have been around for a while uh, left. But as Liam said, there's five. There there's still um, space to sign Mercer, and then. There's Luke Hughes that's going to need a big a contract eventually in Namich, so I'm glad that they managed to get the contracts done for a decent amount. And also with the, the trade for Toffoli, if they decide to uh, extend him after he becomes a free agent a couple of seasons. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about the Tapoli trade actually next. But I just want to add one more point to to talking about Timo. Um, I feel like I think the last three episodes of this show, I've made this point, and I'm going to say it one more time. And Liam kind of alluded to it. Um, you know, the, he is now the highest paid forward in the top six. Um, I think for a while, uh, you know, GM Tom Fitzgerald was able to, you know, have everyone just be behind Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is the, the franchise cornerstone. You know, he has, in my opinion, and we've said it time and time again, the best contract in hockey at only $8 million a year. And, you know, for being a 100 plus point player, potentially, you know, starting maybe even even next year as well and onwards. So how are you going to justify paying someone more than that if Jack Hughes is the best player? Well, they got Jesper Brett to under that amount just by a little bit. Um, but if there is a player that's going to make more than Jack Hughes, I think it is Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer, obviously a little bit older than Jack Hughes, but has shown, you know, some playoff experience with San Jose as well early on. Um, the regular season success, like you mentioned, Liam, he just brings so much to the table. So it's really justifiable paying him that much. Um, because again, you know, everyone else outside of Jack Hughes isn't making, you know, as much as what Timo Meyer is, which is still, you know, he's one of your best players, probably your second best. Skater, arguably. I know you could throw around maybe Esper Brad. You could throw around Dougie Hamilton, but top three skater. He's one. He was the biggest trade acquisition for them in a very long time. Makes sense to extend him for that much money. But you both brought it up, and let's now talk about it. The other big move in the last two weeks was Tyler Toffoli, formerly of the Calgary Flames, was sent to the Devils in exchange for Yegor Sharangovich and a third. In the 2023 draft, we have to double check what that third was used on, but regardless, third round pick in the draft, and Toffoli, who was coming off a very good season with the Flames, you know, veteran, been around the block in the NHL, now with the Devils. Mike, we'll start with you, um, you know, and Liam, you'll answer right after Mike. Just initial thoughts of the move, you know, were you surprised, and where do you see him fitting in in this Devils top six or your top nine? Um, I, I wasn't surprised at all that Sharon Govich got traded. I think that I had a feeling from the start that he was going to go because he was like a he was pretty much a scratch most nights near the end of the year, and I thought he was too talented to be scratched. So I thought that he'd be a pretty good trade piece. I, had, I predicted that he'd go to Vancouver, but I was a little bit off with the another Western still Canada. Canada. Yeah, still Western Canada, um, Calgary. I think they could use a uh, uh, a guy like Igor there as they they try to. I don't know. Calgary's kind of in a weird spot where they could still contend, but I don't know what they want to do, get younger. So they already extended Igor a couple of years. So I think that it should work out there. I hope it does. And as for the Devils, uh, they just continue to get richer in the top six. I really love the, the, the ad, um, to fully a lot of playoff experience, Stanley Cup champion. He was on that Montreal team that went to the finals a couple of years ago. So I think he'll just continue to be like a Palat type player and a whole, on a Eric Hall type player with a lot of, veteran presence and i'm sure he's going to get a lot of power play goals too and by the way that pick that the devil straight to the flames that was originally a flames pick and then it just right uh, uh eventually just made its way back and the flames selected a russian forward ad adder suniev i think with that pick so uh it's just funny how that worked out going through a bunch of teams yeah i i agree with mike uh, i wasn't really surprised by uh jaeger getting traded uh as you saw, as he said, you know, he was scratched for the most part of the later half of the season. So really wasn't that surprised. And he is uh, too talented to have just been not being used. So him getting sent off wasn't a shock, but getting uh, to Foley, I think is really good. It helps, especially in the top six. 
uh, he can, he's coming off a career year, you know, at 30, 30, 31 years old. He brought up 34 goals, 39 assists, and 72 points. Um, it was his first time playing in all 82 games in his career. And he's just coming off, uh, just that career year. And he keeps saying himself, uh, in reports that he's just getting better and better each year in the league, which is something to note. He brings that playoff experience that was kind of lacking last year. Now they made it to the second round, but he not only brings playoff experience, he brings like the finals experience, having won it with uh, the Kings during the 13-14 season. And in that that playoff series, you know, he had or that whole playoffs, he had seven goals and seven assists. So he has the experience to make it to the game, win it, just make it to the finals. So that's going to help out a lot with the development of the, the younger guys who only made it to the first round, the second round now. So I think just overall, it, it's just a great pickup, strengthens the top six. And if it doesn't work out, he's only on the on the books for one more year. So if it doesn't work out, don't resign him. And if if it does work out, you know, hopefully there'll, there'll be money for him and Dawson Mercer to come. Yeah, I think there's a whole other discussion of what they're going to do with him after this season. Like you mentioned, one year left in the contract, around $4 million uh, in that price. But like bringing in Pilat last season, kind of a similar vein. And I think he would have not been a devil at this point in time if the Devils didn't take this big step forward they were last season. You know, no one was expecting the Devils to be this good, um, being able to, to almost make it to, to the to the conference finals before losing to Carolina, obviously. But, you know, they take step they've taken steps forwards. Obviously Igor Sharon Gomes is a good young talent, but they already have a lot of better young talent and he really didn't have a, a big fit on the team. Um, so it made sense getting a veteran in there, getting a guy who could still put up 30 plus goals. If he's going to be playing with Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, you know, he might even have more, um, if he's able to, to get a, a good spot with, a, with a, some good line mates and some power play time. So it should be fun to watch. And I'm actually going to ask an extra question. I just thought of it. Um, I mean, we, it, it begs such an interesting question for the makeup of this team and whoever wants to go first can, um, because the second this trade happened, I had a thought. Um, uh, and I think a lot of Devils fans had, thought of this too because it's been an issue for so long um the future of alexander holtz you know their prized draft pick um he was a guy you know like sharon go really couldn't crack the lineup he obviously was riding the ahl um after starting out in the nhl this year he just couldn't crack the lineup again so actually yeah, mike we'll start with you for this one um what do you think is the future of alexander holtz on the devils do you think they should trade him or you know let him rock for the first couple weeks and then and then go from there yeah, John, I remember uh, I actually brought this question up to you when I was hosting this uh, podcast a couple weeks ago with uh, Louie, and I think that after all the moves, the Devils lost a little bit of bottom six help. Uh, Miles Wood's gone, and Tatar's probably gone. So I think Holtz is valuable right now. I think this is a big year for him. I don't think the Devils should trade him right now because, his, one, his value is low, and, two, they need him unless they could get, like, Alex DeBrinkett or somebody, like something way more uh, – someone way more talented than he is at an elite level like Dabrinkit would be. But I think the Devils will hold on to him. Hopefully he um, sh- uh, completely shows his potential. He's had some flashes, but nothing too crazy so far. So I think he'll be on the line with McLeod and Bastion possibly. Maybe he'll take the spot of Wood. So I think they should hold on to Holtz, Holtz for now if he still continues to struggle or he has like a hot streak and there's a superstar available. Maybe you package him, but right now I'd keep him. Yeah, I agree. I think right now you kind of have to hold on to Holtz. Bottom six uh, needs a little bit of help, and he does show the promise. So he might be one of those candidates that if he does have a hot streak, like Mike was saying, see if there's a superstar available. 
um, and package him in a deal. Or if he, if he isn't really showing that much promise, that much, I guess, you know, you can scratch him or just maybe get off the contract because he does have the talent, just hasn't been consistent. It's more like been a flash in the pan every so often. So hopefully he can get it all together, make an impact, uh, in the bottom six and maybe he proves his worth, stays around a little bit longer or, uh, maybe he gets traded. So I think right now, definitely that the Devils need to hold on to him. Yeah, I think there there's two sides of the coin with this. Um, I think, I mean, he was drafted to be, you know, their franchise sniper on the wing. You know, he's got his shot is his best attribute. Really, he's had a tough time with skating and um, just the strength aspect, which is, you know, he's been trying to develop over his years as a devil's prospect now. Um, he's a guy that thrives, I think, in, in a top six environment. And, I mean, the devil's top six is more than loaded now. Um, if I'm the devils, I'm trying to trade him at this point in time. I know you guys mentioned bottom six players that's really not him unless he's going to be a third liner which i probably see that starting out as as, as like that but like like mike said if there's an alex to available if there's a, you know a, a, a younger winger you can go after to package him in a deal maybe for a goalie you know we've talked about goalies so many times on this show um maybe if you can get one of those young elite goalies in a holtz deal or holtz package i think you got to make it happen because um you know this is like his last year in my mind where he has to, to prove it at the NHL level. If he's not, you know, going to keep losing more and more value. And then if they choose not to really use him and just scratch him every game, it may be, you know, too late to, to, to move him for a really good asset. So that covers the, the little free agency portion. Let's go to the draft. Um, very quiet draft for the Devils. They did not have a first round pick and, you know, the, probably the most loaded draft in about eight years, but you know, I think Devils fans are, are more than happy to not have to worry about um, prospects at this time of the year. Usually it's been the complete opposite for the last couple of years. Um, so, Liam, we'll start with you. They made five picks total. The first one was in the second round. Um, as you read some of the names, uh, who do you like from the draft? And was there anything that really stood out to you? Um, I, I really like the, the the guy they just got out of Finland, uh, Lenny. Lenny. I can't pronounce the last name. So yeah, let's not- just call him Lenny. I think it's but, Lenny, like, Hamaneho or something. We're we'll calling him Lenny. I think everyone knows him. So, so uh, you know, he's only 18, and he played in the Finnish Pro League. And it, I just him overall as a player, yeah, he has stuff to work on, but he was only 18, and he was going up against, like, grown men the whole season. And in a in a league like that where it's, it's kind of like the NHL in the sense of that coaches' jobs are at stake, like playing through the season, it's kind of risky playing a young player like that because if it doesn't pan out, that's your job on the line. And not only was he able to excel, he was able to get more playing time as the season went on. So having a player like that, you know, he had 21 points and he led rookies, like all, he was third in all rookies. And uh, two of those rookies ahead of him were guys that got drafted last year and are a year older than him. So I think just overall he has a good IQ in each zone. He can create shot, uh, pass the, the puck around. He can create shots for himself, create shots from, from, uh, his line mates. But I also like the fact that he's, he's, uh, able to, you know, clean up the boards a little bit, set screens down in front of the net. So that's something to keep an eye on. I, you know, he had a first round grade by some draft experts and even some scouts. So the fact that he was able to fall to the second round as late as he did, um, I think that's just a big get right there for the Devils for uh, that has a lot of like high upside with not that much uh like low like uh possibility for failure. Yeah, John, I think you said it best that um Devils fans got to change. They usually been in the top ten in the, in the lottery recently, so um I don't really know a whole lot about these prospects because they, they it's just been all talk about the first round and how stacked it was, and um, there weren't even any like 
draft day trades that first round. So uh, looking at Lenny, Lenny Hamanajo's stats, I think he's solid, but he's obviously going to need some development as for the other picks. So we'll really have to revisit this in a couple of years, but um, obviously they put that first round pick to good use with the Timo Meyer trade. So I think Devils fans are, uh, obviously it's upsetting, like I said, not to get the first round pick, but um, for, for Timo and now that they extended him, it's, 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 uh, it worked out. Yeah, it definitely did. And I'll give my little two cents about their draft. So, um, I actually, when I was watching the draft, I, I listened to Fitzgerald talk a little bit, um, about what their strategy was, especially in the later rounds. And they kind of employed a thing where he, he obviously trusted his scouts and basically said, give me the guys with the most upside. And that's the best way, I think, to look at the draft when you have a lot of later picks. Um, so kind of weird he said that because he definitely shot with that mentality later in the draft. Um, but I think the first selection, which which was Lenny, like you mentioned, Liam, out of the finish league, um, you know, he, he, he's got some good parts to his game. He could forecheck. Um, he's a decent shooter. You know, he played a men's league, which – We've we've seen you know great Finnish players. It's been kind of hit or miss in the Finnish league, um, at least lately when you're playing against men. Um, I think it was more of a safe choice. I think a lot of experts said that too. Um, the big prospect who was available at that point, and I'm not just saying it because it rhymes with my last name, but Riley Height H E I D T was available, and he was a big prospect going into the draft, and he really slid. I think he went uh, he, he went after that pick, obviously. Um, so I think some people were thinking the Devils are maybe going to take him because of the upside he has. Um, but not a terrible pick, but I just think a safe pick. And, you know, I thought they'd maybe shoot for more upside because it was in the second round. But, I mean, after that, I think the rest of them were pretty ups- uh, decent upside. Uh, Camp Squires, who was the round four, 122nd pick. Um, he was in the QMJHL. Um, he's got some good high I- high. Hockey IQ, wow, I can't pronounce that. Um, he's a forward, obviously. He could be a potential steal. I mean, who knows? Fourth round picks, you know. Not, not everyone is yes, Brett. So we got to take all these these analysis with a grain of salt. Uh, one article I found by the great Ryan Ovazinski, friend of uh, WSOU Sports. Um, he found a, a scouting report from someone for their next pick, who was the round five, 154th selection, Chase Cheslock, right-handed D-man. They called Chase Cheslock a combination of Zidane Chara, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Brad Marchand. I have no idea where that person got it from. Even when he was analyzing it, he's like, he won't certainly live up to that height. There's still a lot of optimism. Um, his offense needs some work, but, you know, it's just more defense from prospects. If they eventually, you know, maybe they trade Seamus Casey away for a goalie. Uh, I know he, his name has probably been thrown out there a little bit because they don't want to touch Simon Nemitz. Um, and then after that, they had two more picks in the sixth. Two six-round picks, uh, Cole Brown, 164th, and Daniil Karpovich of uh, 186th as well. Uh, it looks like Karpovich got a little bit more praise. Um, they actually had one top-down hockey analyst had him as the 36th-ranked prospect. So really interesting to see him fall that far. That could be a good pick out of Belarus. And then Cole Brown uh, played for the Hamilton Bulldogs of the OHL. So, you know. Not the best draft because they didn't have a lot of picks and they weren't expecting to to really need that much from this draft. Um, you know, they built the core. Um, and again, this is the first year where they really have to worry about it. And I think Lenny is, is the guy probably with the most upside because he was drafted earlier. But you never know. I mean, yes, for Brad was a late round pick. So if anyone could develop a fourth to sixth round pick effectively, it's New Jersey Devils. But before we do our last segment, I'll ask one thing about the draft as well. Um, you know, this, this was a, a mixed emotions draft for the Devils. Uh, 
because uh, David Poyle of the National Predators GM, it was his last gen- uh, draft as a general manager of the Predators. I think he was the longest serving GM at the time. And as a show of, of kindness and gratitude, uh, Fitzgerald traded uh, Nashville a, a pick, I think it was in the seventh round, uh, to, to allow him to give one more selection. And he was his first captain of the Predators when Fitzgerald played in the NHL. So it was a great you know, display of 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 love and and just character of Fitzgerald. But you know, Liam, we'll start with you. Um, what do you think this move shows for the Devils and just for Fitzgerald and the relationship that everyone involved kind of has with each other? Uh, I think I think it shows a lot about who the Devils are and like who they're trying to become. Uh, that they have a lot of young talent, you know, especially as everyone knows, Jack Hughes. And just the way that media has been portraying him, like the devil's media, it's gentlemen, you know, like very gentlemanly. And the fact that Fitzgerald does a move like this where he's able to trade, to give that the GM the final chance for as he's stepping down really goes along with the whole gentlemanly aspect that is being trying to be portrayed by the devil's organization as a whole. So I think it just reflects really highly on Fitzgerald trying to show what kind of culture they're trying to bring in and keep that up. So, yeah, I think um, with that move, it just shows uh, how uh, how classy Tom Tom Fitzgerald is to do that. Thinking his former GM who we played for, obviously he said John, he was the first captain of the Predators after he was taking the expansion draft, and I think. The Devils are, I mean, it's seventh round. For seventh round, there's really not much to say there. It's just obviously because the draft was in Nashville, they wanted to give more picks. So it was just really a nice uh, class act there. And I mean, it would be funny if one of the seventh rounders turned into like an NHL superstar, but um, it's, uh, it's just, it's just, just seen as a nice move. Yeah. It was used on Aiden Fink, who's obviously a prospect. Um, the Devils got a seventh in 2024, you know, in the, in the deal. But also have to mention Barry Trotz, who's taken over for Poyle as GM, was the original head coach of that expansion season. So the three of them had to take a great picture together. Classy move by Tom Fitzgerald. And again, it, it, it's showing the culture he's building with the Devils, like you mentioned, Liam. And, you know, I mean, the Devils can really do, could have really done whatever they want in that draft. You know, they're in a very good spot. You know, the, at the time they had just traded for it to full, I think the day before or two days before. So, you know, they're riding the high. You know, he's really taking care of business this offseason. He's only got a few things left to do. So it was just a great gesture for everyone involved. So last segment of today's episode. Very, very excited to finally do this. We finally got a schedule drop for the 2023-24 season. So a lot of things to unpack with this. So basically, um, we'll, we'll start with Mike for this one. Um, so we've all kind of combed through it. You know, obviously, typical schedule. Um, a lot of huge matchups in there, some big ones to look out for. Um, and, and again, Liam, you'll go after Mike, but we'll start with you, Mike. What are you looking out for for this season in just a few months already? I mean, it's already July, so preseason will be soon and, you know, training camp will be soon as well. So what are you looking for for, the, for this season? I don't know about you guys, but I think they feel, I feel like there's more back to backs this year. There's a lot of back to backs on a the lot. schedule, including the first two games of the year, both at home. Uh, second straight year, the Devils' home openers against the Red Wings. Uh, they lost that game last year at home, and then they play the Coyotes at home the next day. Uh, a lot of home games in October. Uh, first road games on Long Island on a Friday. Maybe I get a little road trip there. That'd be nice. Never seen a, the Devils as, as the visiting team, and they go on a road trip. Uh, we, we might have to for that one. Might, might have to, really, to see the, the new arena in, uh, on Long Island. But um, another game I'm looking at, uh, Saturday night, 
in November, November 18th against the Rangers. That's the first time they'll be playing each other since the first round. Um, just looking through here some more. Um, they have that, that, uh, they have a central road trip in the early November portion, I believe. And then early December, they go out to Western Canada for a four game road trip. And then, um, moving on to January, a couple of Florida games down in the road. Then they play the reigning cup champs at home, January 22nd. And, um, the big game is February 17th. I'm looking forward to 8 PM at MetLife stadium against the flyers and stadium series. That's obviously one game I'm definitely looking forward to. Hopefully I can get to go to that one too. And that, that's really it. And then some games down the stretch for the playoff push. They play Toronto three times in like the span of three weeks. That's interesting, including a home at home late in the year. They end the season on a Monday night against the Islanders at home. So, I mean, it's nothing really to, to like break down. It's, it's just the same schedule every year, just mixed up different, uh, going to the different parts of the country, different areas, every, team you play at least twice so um like i said big games are just those rivalry games on the weekends and the metlife game on in february and i believe there's one game i mean there's one night in the league that every team plays so that's a maybe a fun night i can't remember which game that is i think it's in october though yeah for uh for me i i think overall all the rangers games this year are going to be a lot more entertaining than in years past this is like the first year and like a long time i think since i you know we've been alive that it's competitive between the two teams i feel like for a long time it's always been the rangers you know always have the upper hand we're always the better team but now that you know we saw them in the first round of the playoffs and it went to seven games i think there's gonna be a lot more excitement a lot more entertainment factor between the two teams so i think that i'm looking forward to all those games and then as you said mike the the game at metlife against the flyers the flyers obviously aren't as big of a rivalry as the devils and the rangers but the rivalry's still there they're still close to each other in the metropolitan area so i just think overall it's just going to that outdoor environment at metlife's just going to create a different experience than we've uh, ever seen and now with the devils are playing a lot better and are you know have a chance to make a run for the, the cup. I think it's just going to be a lot more like that environment's going to be something that's going to be out of this world. Yeah, definitely. That, you know, having a game in MetLife and, you know, having it as, you know, Jersey being the home team as well, I think adds some extra flavor to it. I know the Rangers and Islanders are playing the, the day after, but, you know, it's new, it's still in New Jersey. It's East Rutherford. So it's, it's a devil's home game against, you know, a big rival. Um, very interesting to see them open up against Detroit again. I was a little disappointed. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't a great game last year with the way Detroit, you know, were able to beat up the Devils in that game before they went on the run. But, you know, I thought they'd maybe mix it up a little bit and throw another, you know, home opener or season opener in there. Um, you guys mentioned the Rangers already, you know, nothing else to say there. Some other things I want to bring up. Um, they got, you know, some, some very interesting setups, like you mentioned with the back to backs. Uh, I feel like teams in the Metro kind of, kind of take turns with that almost. Um, you mentioned the first Ranger game. Uh, where is it? What should we call it? I think it's December 16th. Oh, no. Friday, no, no. Obviously, I have another game. Friday, November 24th. I'm a big narratives guy, so I'm, I'm going to shoot some narratives out. So Friday, November 24th, I'll be in attendance for this one way or another. They play the Columbus Blue Jackets for the first time. And I think this is a huge game, not only because it's, it's a Johnny, Johnny Goodrow revenge game part five, but it's potentially the first time that Adam Fantilli will play against Luke Hughes in the NHL. Um, there's a very strong chance that Adam Fantilli is going to be making the Columbus Blue Jackets out of camp and, and playing um, this season. So if he's able to make the team, Luke Hughes will obviously be a regular now going forward. You know, they're Michigan teammates. I want to see them play against each other. That should be a lot of fun. 
Um, should be, you know, an exciting matchup no matter what happens. And hopefully, you know, especially Fantilli is able to be on the ice for Columbus. Uh, a big mer- narrative matchup again for me. So this is a little bit more closer to me because uh, I kind of made a pack with myself. Uh, I've been following Connor Bedard for about three years now, even before all this hype started. His first appearance at the Prudential Center will be January 5th. Um, he's actually playing the Rangers as well that week, so I'm going to try to go to both of those games. Um, I think that, you know, Connor Bedard playing against Jack Hughes, I think is must-watch TV. Should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, last time, last couple of times they've played against Chicago really hasn't meant much, um, but having Chicago be good again, you know, it makes it a lot more exciting. Um, I'm trying to see when is the first time. Yeah, so you talk about later in the season, you know, some of the road trips they have. The Flyer game you mentioned is in February, and then that's a pretty tough stretch because – they have, yeah, Washington, the Rangers, uh, I mean, Montreal's okay, but then Tampa again, so that's a pretty rough stretch. They have, like, back-to-back-to-back. Um, ending the season as well against the Islanders. Um, I don't know why they play the Leafs back-to-back. I think they did that this year, too, if I'm not mistaken. They did, or, because yeah. um, they Igor Sharangovich scored the OT goal, and then the next game I was in attendance, and that's when the three disallowed goals happened, and they yeah. threw trash on the ice. So it's yeah. crazy. Also, another game I forgot to mention, um, First game against Carolina is January 25th at Carolina. That's where the season ended last year for the Devils. So anytime you play a playoff opponent for the first time, it's going to probably be Brad Blood carried over. And, and again, and one more thing with the stadium series, I mean, if, if it's fitting the Devils have a home game in East Rutherford considering they played next door all those years and yeah. won two cups in that uh, abandoned Izod Center now. So uh, mm-hmm. it's fitting they got a game there on a Saturday night. It's very interesting to see that they're not playing Carolina till that late in the season. So that means the second half of the season. Yeah, they have the 25th, February 10th, um, yeah, uh, March 9th. Yeah, so they're going to be getting a heavy dosage of the Hurricanes, who, you know, I think it's easy, it's safe to say that the Hurricanes and the Devils are probably the two preseason picks to get out of the East. So the last question I'll ask you guys with the schedule um, keeping that in mind, I just want to give, you know, way too early predictions for, you know, where they're going to finish in the division. We did this last summer as well. We were not even close because no one thought the Devils would be, would finish, uh, second in the division like they did. Um, I think we all predicted, I think the highest, I think it was like me, uh, John McCooch was on it too. I think we all said like sit, fifth maybe was the highest. And then obviously we were proven wrong. So we'll start with you, Mike. Uh, what is your way too early July the 6th as the time we're recording this uh, prediction of where the Devils are going to finish in the Metro? Uh, I guess I'll just go the whole Metro. I think I think Columbus will leapfrog Philly this year. I think Philly's going to finish last. And then I'll go I'll – go, I feel like Columbus can make a good rebound. I, I'm thinking about putting Washington seventh. I, they don't really move me. I think they're dropping. Uh, I think they're – they're finally about to uh, drop down after all their years. They finally got a cup that one year. I, I think it's it's either Washington or Columbus 6-7. You could flip-flop them. I'll go Penguins 5th. And then Islanders and Rangers are like 4th and 3rd. They'll probably be close. And then the Devils and Hurricanes are like flip for 1st and 2nd. I think they're going to be like this whole past year, the Hurricanes and Devils were basically like on each other's tails the whole year. It's probably going to be that way again. And considering they only play each other three times this year instead of four times, those three games will be very important. And the Hurricanes, basically, I think they got better, too, because they picked up Orloff. And I thought they picked up Tarasenko, but I guess that didn't work out as of recording Still lean. on July 6th. But, um, yeah, I think Orloff makes that team better on the on the blue line. So it's going to be 
as of right now, I think it's going to be Carolina, New Jersey again, battling for that Metro division. But so if you told me next year, I think I've said this to you, John, if the Devils and Rangers meet again in the first round next year, I won't be surprised. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, Mike. I, I agree that I do think, you know, looking for down into the playoffs, I do think Rangers and the Devils are going to meet again in the first round. Um, I do think though, there's a chance that they do, they go, you know, two seed, you know, or second in the division. And then I can also see them go third. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more positive this, this year, this school year, this, this overall, you know, sports season. My teams have been doing so well with, uh, with this mindset. So I'm kind of also expecting the worst that, you know, they take a step back a little bit, even though with all the improvements, cause everyone else is improving, whether we see it on paper or not. So I can see them finishing as low as like the three or the four in the division. Just cause like I, I gotta keep that not mindset. Cause you know, it has, it has not trended well for me when I said they, my teams are winning the whole division. So. Yeah, that, that's one way to look at it. I, I know you, you gotta, you don't want to overestimate because then you'll, if the expectations are too high, you're just going to be sad at the end of it. Um, for me, uh, Mike, I'll agree with you. I think the Flyers will finish dead last. I think they want to finish dead last. Um, I mean, they just drafted a future Hall of Famer in Matt Vaymichkov. Um, so they're waiting for him in about two to three, I think it's three years. So they should be tanking this year to get, you know, one of the, the top D, D men for next year or, um, you know, one of the top forwards. Uh, I think, uh, so, so Flyers will be last. Um, I still think Columbus is going to be right next to them. I want Columbus to do well. I think they have a fun, exciting young team. Two things are holding me back. I think, um, hiring Babcock as a coach is a terrible fit for a team with a lot of young players. Um, I, I don't think that's really going to go over well and they don't have a goalie. So as much as I love the forward core, especially if Fantilli plays and, and, you know, some of their defensemen, especially the prospects, I don't think they're going to take the step this year. It might be the following year, um, especially if they can get a goalie. Um, Capitals will be there right after uh, the Blue Jackets. Um, and then when you talk about the fifth spot, I think it's going to be the Islanders. Uh, I, I don't think the Islanders, you know, they're, they're kind of in that quote-unquote mid-range every year um, with just the way the team's constructed. Ilya Sorokin can, can catapult them in, into whatever spot they want because he's one of the best goalies in the league. But, you know, that core is getting older. I didn't love the Bo Horvat trade for them. Um, and they just extended a whole lot of players to some weird contracts. Um, I think the Penguins with Kyle Dubas is scary. Um, they're sort of like that wild card team now in, in the, the Metro. I have them finishing fourth. Um, you know, they still got Crosby, they still got, you know, Malkin and, and Latang, and, and they just re-signed Jari. They made a couple of good moves and I think there's still some more on the way. Um, the Rangers probably will finish third. Although, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Penguins or the Rangers were kind of, you know, battling it out for that third spot. I think the Rangers will make the playoffs, but I do think there's a chance Pittsburgh might even overtake them um, just because, you know, outside of Shesterkin and we've talked about it, you know, they're a great, they're a decent regular season team, but a lot of question marks. They still have a couple of guys to resign. So I'll kind of give a better opinion of that once they uh, resign some RFAs. And then I think you guys put it the best, you know, Hurricanes, Devils, 1A, 1B. doesn't really matter. I mean, actually it does matter because the Devils, if, if that happens, if they do play the Rangers again, which would be very unbelievable for everyone but um i think they're going to be you know neck and neck like you guys mentioned last season the hurricanes had 113 points devils had 112 so you know they're both a pain to each other and should be fun to watch and i think those actually it makes sense why the nhl why uh why they have them later on because maybe it'll be more meaningful games more prime time games and having them with potential you know division leading uh just balance and, and, and something to that regard. But that'll do it 
for this edition of Devils in the Details. Big shout out to Mike Bell, Feminine, Liam Harding, and his Devils in the Details debut. The guys did a great job. It was fun talking Devils Puck with you. I've been your host, John Height. Be sure to check back in with us in about two weeks for the next episode of Devils in the Details, where we talk about all things New Jersey Devils here on WSU Sports.